This is Teachers Care Society with Albert Morales. Welcome to Teachers Care Society, the podcast that talks about all news and development in the educational field. Today I'll be joined by Cindy Garcia, a teacher from Carson, California, as we discuss United Kingdom implementing even more inclusive LGBTQ plus sex education starting in primary schools as early as this fall, 2020. We will also be discussing the Supreme Court ruling in workplace protections for members of the LGBTQ community. So without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, welcome back. Our first guest for today is Cindy Garcia, a teacher from Carson, California. A little bit about her. She has a bachelor's in liberal studies from California State University of Long Beach. She has a dual credential in multiple subjects and sped Montsevier. And she also is a member of the LGBTQ community. Now, Cindy, what does a plus stand for in that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. It's an honor. And the plus in the LGBTQ plus essentially means there's more to just being lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, or queer. There are more other identities, either whether it's gender or sexual orientation. It's basically saying there's just more to that because if you were to actually write the full acronym, it'd be too long for us to even condense. Okay. And then would you, it's up to you. Are you comfortable sharing what you identify as? Yes, um, I actually identify as lesbian, which means I'm attracted to other women. But more specifically, I am also a demisexual, which means I am attracted to someone sexually once I form a strong emotional connection with them, which also ties into my demiromantic, which means I will um, pursue a romantic relationship if I have a strong connection with that person. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't know about all these other orientations. I did know that the plus stood for more than one, but I did not know of all the other ones. Do you know roughly how many there are? I know it keeps changing. Um, honestly, I can't give you like an estimate just because there's constantly new additions, new discoveries of people identifying as something completely different. But, you know, there are some trolls who would try to make some stuff up and identify as like the dumbest things, honestly. So to be honest, I can't give you an exact number. Okay. So then why did you choose the field of education? So why did you want to be a teacher? In third grade, I did have a teacher who was not the greatest example of a great educator. And from then I knew I did not want our community or the world to have those kind of educators who did not really care about the children's well-being. So I wanted to be that change for my future students. So in your case, it was a bad experience that made you want to be a teacher? I also did have some good experiences, but there's honestly the good experiences were so many. I wanted to continue to create those experiences for future generations, but also make sure these students did not have a negative view of the education system. And as someone in the LGBT community, I feel like there's not enough representation because, like as you said, um, there's a new law that just passed where a lot of people were scared to be out about their sexuality just because they did fear their job or being fired, for example. Yeah, a lot of a lot of big, important changes happening right now. But let's jump into our first topic. And our first topic is about the UK going to start teaching primary school kids extra LGBTQ inclusive sex education. And particularly in the city of Brighton and Hove, the gay capital of the UK. Now, the way this breaks down is 
sex ed in primary and secondary school. So for primary, what they essentially want to do is teach inclusive relationship education. And the reason behind this is so that they can prevent homophobic and transphobic bullying. So what do you think about this? Honestly, I feel like starting off at the, what they call the gay capital, having people or having these educators implement these LGBT sex education is a great start for the world to start changing just because um, there's still a lot of very conservative places who do not even want to value the idea of people of the LGBT plus community being essential people in the community. But I feel by starting off with a place that already welcomes it, we are slowly going to branch out into other places that will slowly become to accept this as a normal thing for society. Yeah, of course, if all this goes well, then they're going to branch out into other cities, other areas that maybe aren't as, how would I say, gay friendly? Inclusive. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. As, as inclusive or as accepting. I agree on that. It's just a great way for people to start accepting people as just people instead of just putting labels, whether it's sexually based on their gender or sexual orientation. I mean, we all have labels we fall under, excuse me, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, people who are disabled, people who are able-bodied, people who have red hair. There's always, there's always going to be labels, but people surpass those labels and they just focus on the LGBT labels, which is not very welcoming. And it's just, it really blows how they don't want to normalize it. Yeah. And I mean, this is just the UK. I mean, if we look at the United States itself, we still have a lot of progress to make. Progress to be made. Yes, I agree on that. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. So like I said earlier, they're going to break it down to primary and secondary schools. And in primary, they want to focus on inclusive relationship education. So this means including same-sex parents and the way they will be doing this is is they want to provide concrete example of how this should be normal how it shouldn't be a big deal how this shouldn't be a taboo so concrete examples in the classroom whether it's book whether it's tv or any other media all these examples just to show that hey this is okay I think that's honestly a great start just because by normalizing it at such a young age, by introducing these different kinds of couples, um, students will, you know, these kids are, like I said, they're primary grade. They're going to grow with that mentality and hopefully pass it on to their future children and just continue it, continuing by continuing this process, it will just become a normal community. And again, all this is to prevent homophobic and transphobic bullying is there a way that you could see this maybe backfiring? Well, just like any other plan, it can always backfire. And there's always going to be tweaks to be made because this is like the first time this is happening with already an inclusive community. It's going to backfire. It will backfire in other communities where it's not, where they're not very inclusive. So you kind of have to modify, I guess, I, I, I don't know if we we'll call it the curriculum for this, but you would have to modify that curriculum based on your audience and find different ways to deliver it to them. The big deal that they're, the big thing that they're talking about is consent. Now, consent is already integrated in the curriculum all across schools. And basic consent is just asking for permission. 
from a young age, kindergartners are taught to ask for permission whether they want to borrow something from a fellow student or a friend. May I borrow your crayon? May I borrow your book? And essentially what I do is take this consent um, topic and apply it to sex ed in primary and secondary school. Consent is something that should always be taught at a young age. Like you said, may I borrow your book or crayon? It's just teaching these students how to ask for permission when they want something that is not theirs, which can tie into, you know, sexual intercourse because you don't want to take advantage of someone or misinterpret any signs. I feel like by teaching them young consent, even if it's through such materialistic things like books, it's going to help them grow into wanting to ask for permission or consent to be involved with someone else. I think a place to start as far as consent is having the students recognize what it is and what it is they're comfortable, what it is they don't like. So maybe a student might say, I don't like the way you hug me, or maybe I don't like hugs, or maybe I don't like want a high five. It's also depending on what the student is comfortable with and expressing their comfort, whether they like that or not. I think that's a good place how to start consent as well. Yeah, I agree. Just by recognizing it within themselves, they're able to understand it as a whole as well. So I agree with what you're saying with that. Now, in primary school about the sex ed, the reason they're not going to talk about labels or orientation is because they just want to expose the students, like the different kind of families that they're out there. They don't want to worry or pressure students saying, oh, you have to be heterosexual, homosexual, you know, transgender. They want to just expose them to the different kinds of families that there are, the different ways that people live their, you know, live their lives. And I agree with this because I don't think we should already be pressuring a young, young student, a young nine-year-old, a young eight-year-old, like, hey, this is what you are. See, I agree on that because I feel by teaching these students about the different families, your um, students who are not exposed to that part of their, um, for example, they're not exposed to like the LGBT community. Um, they may not know that there's families that have three people in it, two people in it, one person in it, um, different genders in it. It's just a way to get them, I guess you could say, get their feet wet to understand how not every household is the same. Yeah, exactly. And then just, you know, I could have a father that may look like a mom or vice versa. And just exposing these students to the different types of family that there are, not just what you see as uh, whether it's foster or whether it's single parents, but these type of different families um, in the household as far as parents or just maybe whatever the adult is in the household. I think this is vital because it will help prevent any kind of bullying and it will normalize that this is okay. It's okay to, for me to have this kind of family. Oh, it's okay for my friend to this have this kind of family without making it something taboo. Right. It's just like, for example, a lot of kids nowadays live with their grandparents. Why is that any different from having gay dads or lesbian moms yeah. or one of each? So with all this, I know media is just starting to show, particularly children's media is starting to show inclusiveness. And some of the examples, what I think Toy Story and then Finding Dory. But back in May 2019, I don't know if you're a fan of Arthur. Yes. There was, yeah, there was an episode back in May 2019 where they show Mr. Ratburn was actually a gay character. It was a wedding. And the big reveal was that 
Mr. Rapper was going to marry another, I think it was an aardvark. And the state of Alabama refused to show this episode. So the Alabama public uh, television refused to broadcast this cartoon. And Glad came out saying this was a real missed teaching opportunity. I agree with what Glad said, just because where Alabama is restricting showing this episode, it's also showing their state that anyone in that state who identifies anywhere along the spectrum of the LGBT plus community is not, I I don't want to say normal, but they are not. Alabama is trying to not normalize it by saying it's not okay to be on this LGBT spectrum. And by that, um, people who identify somewhere along the spectrum in Alabama are not receiving the representation they deserve, which will cause, it may cause some personal issues or some personal barriers and hurdles just because they'll feel they're not, it's not safe to come out as what they identify or come out as how their sexual orientation is. It just causes a lot of backlash on our community or at least the community I'm in. Yeah. And I understand as you get older, there will be more resources and, you know, there'll be more representation and maybe shows for what they would say more mature audience, but maybe just something small as this in a children's daytime show, something like this could have been really beneficial instead of waiting for the kids to get older. And now they might start seeing all these different types of families in media that's meant for older kids and they might be confused they might not know what's going on and it could lead to bullying without them even having that as an intention as opposed to us exposing them to these kind of different families from an early age and that way it's not such a taboo for them growing up you see um what i'm thinking about here is if they feel that the lgbt topic is for mature audience only but adults are not ready to talk about it. It just shows how immature they're actually acting because they're not trying to expose their kids to this topic because they fear that just watching one show may quote unquote convert them to be gay or make them lesbian or make them trans. It's not, that's not how it works. Just simple representation can make, at least in my perspective, having this representation would have made me feel better about myself knowing that it's okay. I'm not saying that it was going to convert me to being, well, I'm already lesbian, but it's not going to convert someone just because they see it. It won't convert them. It will help them accept who they are as a person. Just because I see straight couples on TV doesn't mean I'm going to turn straight. Yeah, exactly. And even as far as representation, that, that episode of Arthur, that was a perfect example showing that weddings aren't just for people of the same sex. Weddings can be anything, you know, to, to females, to males. A wedding is just a spectrum of love. As long as you love that individual, then it's okay. And that was just such a missed opportunity. That it was just because Alabama feels it was not right to air it doesn't mean they shouldn't have done it. It could have, it, like Glad said, it was really a missed 
teachable moment. Yeah. So if we jump into the sex set that they have planned for secondary school, this is where they're going to focus on identity and orientation. Important factor to point out is that parents can opt out of this right here. So if their parents don't want their children receiving this type of sex ed in the secondary school, they can say, I don't want my child to participate. They sign that form and that's it. That child does not receive that sex ed. What do you think? I mean, it's great that they're trying to involve the parents into this decision, but it's going back to where we started. Even if these parents are not LGBT friendly, they're going to be like, oh no, my kid can't be taught this. We're back at, at where we started because these kids are not going to have that teachable moment. Okay. And then the way this is going to be presented is that all of this is government funded. The schools do not have to request for this. It's not something that they have to put it a form for writing, a, a long, lengthy process. This is already government funded. So it's going to be already integrated in the school. This is nothing extra. It's already going to be integrated. It's kind of like the a mandator, mandatory curriculum. I like this approach because, again, it will normalize this kind of thinking for the students that, hey, this is absolutely okay. This is absolutely fine. This is normal for me to see this in my community, in my classroom, with my neighbors, even my teachers. So where it's going to be a mandatory curriculum, if it's mandatory for students to do this, why are parents having to sign up for consent? So the what I mean by this is that it's going to be already integrated and parents have the option to opt out as opposed to parents have the option to opt in. Okay. You know what I mean? So kind of like it's, I don't want to say, I don't want to compare it, but like say like uh, it's already part of say your, your membership. Okay. It's already integrated in your membership, but you can opt out of your membership as opposed to, Oh, if you want this extra thing on your membership, you know, you have to opt in. I like the fact that it's already in the curriculum with the parents having the option of opting out. So it's not something that has to be fought for and not something that has to be requested extra. It's already inside and part of the curriculum. Okay. That makes sense. I see where you're going with that. But just, I still feel like where it's a mandatory parents should see this as a, an opportunity for their, stu- for their children to be educated more about the diversity in their community. But I know some parents aren't going to be too conservative or close-minded to even think about this as a teachable moment rather than just exposing students to the community. In high school, and I guess now in middle schools nowadays, but in high school, I was part of the Gay Straight Alliance Club. And there are all these other clubs as well that support these LGBTQ communities of the school, of the members of the community. Do you see any, I guess, any, any negative part of these clubs that support the LGBTQ in the schools? I do see negative side, but there's also positive sides. And there's mostly positives in creating these um, GSAs, Gay Street Alliance Clubs. But there's always going to be that one negative, for example, it, for example, let's say I was in the closet, which means I have not came out to my family as being lesbian. 
If I were to join this club, I would feel more comfortable being myself. However, um, there can be someone that knows me in that club. For example, there's dangerous trolling. Someone who does not support or identify on the spectrum may join the club. And where we want to be inclusive, we don't have the right to kick them out. But if this person finds out that I'm gay or that I'm lesbian and they go out their way and let's say they know my mom and they tell my mom, that puts me in the danger of outing outing people or forcing me to come out as what I identify as. And if I'm not ready to come out, there's always going to be a reason why to, whether it's not having a supportive household or supportive family or any support. Therefore, TSA clubs are great. Yes, they're great for the support and meeting people in the community, but it can also force people to come out when they're not ready. A little bit of history about these uh, GSA. The reason why they were created was to help reduce the suicide risk of the LGBT um, students because they would be a safe place at the school where there are other students like them. Uh, that, that was essentially why it was created. But I do see your point about maybe outing certain students. And then again, not all students are going to join these, these clubs at school. It all depends on the comfort level, where the student is at, where their identity. There's many things to take take into consideration, but I do see both points. I guess it's just more of the um, the individual making the decision they feel comfortable with. And if they're comfortable with their decision, then definitely the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah. And no matter what, there's always a danger of those students or those peers trying to troll, trying to make fun of. And that's essentially what they're trying to get rid of by having this inclusive sex ed from such an early age in primary school. But there's always that concept of whatever the teachers or the educators do in the classroom or in the school environment can get undone with whatever happens at their home or in the household. I agree with what you're saying. A thing about this sex ed... Something that's not mentioned that I think should be put into consideration is sex ed for teachers, because sex ed is always meant for students, for for the future generations. But what about the teachers? How can we teach about inclusiveness if the teachers don't even know themselves? So in order to do this correctly, I think we should start with sex ed for teachers. I that's right, because the teachers are going to be the ones presenting the material. But I feel that just having seminars for teachers to be educated, even if it's weekly seminars or monthly seminars, doesn't matter how often, is just to give them enough information that they can teach their pupils. Because I feel like not every teacher is going to know where to start or or anything or know have any resources or any information about it but by having these seminars they can be educated as a as a skeleton of what is expected of them to teach and provide those resources to them to know and at the same time i don't think it's fair to have maybe just one person at the school whether it's a counselor or psychologist to be that person of contact whether for the lgbtq community i think all teachers should have at least 
some knowledge about this because it's not fair to just flood the gates for this just one person at the school. And maybe if this person at the school is only there maybe two times a week and they go to another school, there should be some kind of sex ed for all teachers to know like the bare minimum. And just by teaching the bare minimum, you're already doing more. You're already helping more than what they need already. So that's really a great start. But I feel like even if you taught them the bare minimum, there's still so much to cover. Therefore, I feel like if these seminars or these lectures were directed to teachers, um, even parents can come in and educate teachers because they can talk from their personal experience. So what you would suggest is maybe a community event where the educators or the school district would present, hey, this is what we want to do for sex ed. This is how our teachers are going to teach it. Is there any input from those in the community, parents, uh, maybe role models, maybe community leaders? Is there anything else you would want us to implement or anything that you think is important or vital that we might have brushed over in the sex ed course or the sex ed education? Yes, because I feel like by teaching through experience, you're able to it becomes a more relatable, teachable moment for um, these students just because they know it's not just a topic that we just have to teach. It's a topic that many individuals are a part of or are going through, whether it's teaching coming out stories or teaching how to have safe gay sex or teaching students how there's different kinds of families because even some high schoolers don't are not exposed to like the different type of families it's important to note that just because this sex ed course might be one week or two weeks does not mean that the learning stops after that you as either the teacher or even the parent or the students are you going to be continuing continuously learning about this all the time it, things are always changing and you have to be able to you have to be able to know how to react and respond and be comforting and knowledgeable in this area which is why going back saying to how teaching by experience you're already knowledgeable in that area you can't be having someone who identifies as a heterosexual come and teach you all about the homosexual sex um, you want someone to be able to talk to you that can relate to the topic. Because um, just because someone portrays sex as one way doesn't mean everyone in the community portrays it the same way. There's That's why I feel like by teaching experience, you're able to get a little more realistic, teachable moment. And you bring up a good point. S you know, someone who is gay is not just one representation so say, for example, this person of the community who is gay does not mean all members or all people of the gay community are like this. It's important to show many different representations. And this is where I see the benefit of, of a community event like this coming in handy, where members of the LGBTQ community can come out and say, well, for me, this is my experience. For such and such, it was a different experience. And students and family and everyone can see that it is a totally different journey for every individual. Not everyone is going to have the same path. Exactly. Just because this person enjoys doing this during sex does not mean she enjoys the same thing. It just 
sex, um, for example, teaching sex to these, this age group is more of teaching them how sex can vary from person to person you're with, just because you may have different interests and your partner may, or your partner or partners may have different interests. You have to find a common ground or a common ground for exploration within each other to understand what sex means to you, to your partner or partners, or, or to your, to your relationship or relationships. Now, Cindy and I talked about what are some things teachers could do for the sex ed. And one of the things we went over is something as small as having the intro card filled by the students, having them write what they would be like, be called as what they would want to be referred to, whether it's a pronoun or their preferred name. This is something that could so may seem so minuscule, but makes a big difference because you're going to have, you're going to give the student the power of how they want to be called, what they identify, what pronoun they want. Something that could be seen, something so small like this makes a big impact. Not even that. Even on the intro cards, you can also add a box where you can have the option of, are they closeted or not closeted? Do you want me to use this name outside the classroom or just inside the classroom? Because like I said, going back to how I said about forcing someone to come out, not everyone is ready to use the preferred name in a social setting, maybe in a smaller setting. So by having these intro cards with even a small questionnaire about how comfortable they are, is a great way to start inclusivity, even in just the classroom. Do you see a situation where a student could say they're closeted in that intro card and that teacher talks with that student, gives them the, you know, give them the comfort, give them the resources, but not tell the parents per se, or do you think the teachers should tell the parents? No, I don't think you should tell the parents unless the student tells you otherwise, just because like going back to what I said earlier, um, not every student comes from a supporting household and they may not feel safe being who they are at home because they may risk a lot for themselves. But even if you put an intro card, you can say, are you out to your parents? Do your parents know? Just by having these little questions that shows that you're interested about them is more than enough to know what's safe for you as an educator to say because you are as an educator you are not forced to tell the parents how their student identifies as yeah you're right and again if a student comes out to you that is a big amount of trust they're putting into you that hey i am identify as this, but my parents might not know, my family might not know. Can we please keep this a secret? And that is a huge amount of trust between that teacher and that student. Would you, would you as a teacher share this information with the other types of services or professionals at the school, like the counselor or the psychologist? Well, First, you'd have to talk to your students or students who bring that conversation up to see what they are comfortable in pursuing. Because you don't want to make any decisions um, without their approval first, because that is such a sensitive topic for many of these individuals within the community. But just by having a simple conversation with your student and saying, hey, are you comfortable enough if I refer you to some resources to help you with your with your 
your situation? Yeah, with your situation, I am more than glad to refer you to X, Y, and Z. And the reason I would do something like this, because a teacher might not know everything. The teacher might not be well prepared, even through all this professional development. A teacher might not be fully suited to give advice. And so they would redirect that student to someone who has more experience or more knowledge in this area. And that's where I would see this happening, where a teacher would recommend, oh, I want to help out, but I can only do so much. Do I have your permission to refer to you to these other resources that are still on school site? And for whatever reason, if that other resources is not helpful enough, then maybe those resources could provide other resources outside the school. Yeah, because even I, as a member of the community, don't know everything there is to it. Like I said, there's so many sexual orientations, there's so many genders, and not everyone is going to know everything, but there's always going to be resources that may know other resources, and it must just continue a cycle of providing the support to the student. I see a positive impact to actually have teachers who are members of the LGBTQ community at the school. and there's a huge benefit to not just only having them as teachers, but also as other positions in the schools, just to show again, that diversity that, Hey, someone like me can be maybe a principal can be a counselor, can be a special ed teacher, can be this. I don't think it should just be just one person of contact at the school. I think there should be lots of representation. I agree with that. Just because like you said, you know, we're showing these students that, just because you're on a spect on these LGBT spectrum doesn't mean you can't be what you want to be. And just like going back to what we said in elementary school, having this representation is very essential for students or people in the community who are still scared to be themselves. Let's think of a situation where maybe a community outside of uh, this is maybe a community outside of the UK or particularly this Brighton outside of Brighton, UK, where they might not have someone who identifies as a member of the LGBTQ community. What are some other alternatives that you could do to show inclusive sex ed? Well, you you don't have to be a member of the LGBT community. You can simply be an ally, an ally. And even by being an ally, you're showing representation that these people matter. And I think earlier you also talked that you could also use TED Talks. There's TED Talks for everything, right? Oh, definitely. You can probably find a TED Talk for anything on YouTube, honestly. (laughs) Okay, so let's jump into a somewhat complicated situation or topic. And that is... Okay locker rooms. So for locker rooms, for what happens when students identify as a different gender and they want to use that other locker room. So they want to use a locker room with the identity or with the gender that they identify with. What do you do in that situation? This is a very sensitive topic because you don't want to discredit the person who identifies as a gender that they were not born with. You don't want to tell them they can't use the girls restroom just because their appearance may not match what they feel. And you don't want to make, you know, the assigned female at birth or the um, the cisgendered girls to feel like they're not 
they don't matter enough to let these people in. But an approach to that is, for example, our campus, CSULB, they do have some gender-neutral restrooms, which will benefit these students who identify as a different gender, whether they're out or not, to use these facilities at their own discretion. But where it's a locker room that involves showers and other facilities, which makes it a different topic of discussion, but also by making gender-neutral locker rooms, even if it's just a couple on campus, we are helping these individuals by not having us having them come up to us and come out if they're not ready or to just prevent anyone from knowing because going back to what you said homophobic bullying or transphobic bullying i think there's a famous case back in 2018 i think the student was named gavin grim and he was barred from using the boys restroom at his school because right of the sex that he was born with, but he still identified as, as a boy male and yeah, as a male. Exactly. Thank you. And so Mm -hmm. he is his court or his case went all the way to Supreme court and it actually ruled in his favor. And this is a perfect example of how we should be allies. We should be advocates. So this is not something where the school should be pushing back or be pushing against. We should actually be, supporting the students with their decisions, with how they feel, with everything that's going right. on with them. They might be, they might not know, and we should be there to support the whole entire time, not going against them. That's right. But I feel like legally, in order for someone to, I don't want to say pass as trans, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but ideally for a trans person, they do have to go through therapy to get that on record that yes, this person is trans, but what happens to those people or to those students or individuals who can't get this extra support? Where do they stand as far as getting their rights? Just because they don't match what they feel on the inside. Let's, for example, let's use me as an example. If I were to identify as a trans male, but I don't have the resources because I don't have support at home to go get the medical attention I need or the medic or anything is just because I look like a woman. Does that mean I can't use a guy's restroom? So like we have to think about those students who don't have the support. And that's where I say that we shouldn't be pressuring identity or even be putting labels and just teaching that it's okay to like what you like. And then start introducing maybe labels and identities in secondary school. That's true. But I mean, for us to teach them all the labels there is to the LGBT community would be endless. Even if it's just having them just, excuse me, just even if it's just educating the students, like there's more than just these couple labels. You can identify however you feel. You don't necessarily need a label. Just be who you are. Be a person. The best situation I could see for this is where a school replaces all locker rooms and bathrooms as gender neutral facilities. And I know that Eastern Lancaster School District 
is pushing for an ambitious renovation plan like this, where all their facilities would be uh, gender neutral. So everyone will be essentially together. That's honestly amazing. Just by being able to create these gender neutral bathrooms, you're already normalizing the thought that not everyone is the same. And hopefully it'll start off somehow, like even if it's just one restroom and slowly branching out to more, it's just a great representation to these different identities upon the spectrum. Yeah. And then think, take something like you go into the store and I want to try something on. I don't have to go to like the men's section of the dressing room. I can go to any dressing room there I want. And the same idea should be like this in school is where it's gender neutral changing room, dressing rooms, bathrooms. This is the best way that I see it. I mean, no one said that the dressing rooms had to be four stalls in one. It can literally be just be one dressing room with like different, like one dressing room here, one there, one there, just spacing them out enough to where anyone can make it or anyone can use it. Yeah, there's another topic about representation. And that topic is those who identify as members of the LGBTQ community and also who have disabilities or special needs. This is something that I think gets often overlooked because this could be a situation where someone or the, a certain individual might discredit someone's identity because their disability saying, Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, they don't, Oh, they don't know how to communicate what they really feel, what they really like. And I think this should be addressed in sex ed, special needs and inclusive, um, inclusive relationships. You also need to think about, excuse me, your students and where they are as far as special education. More, some students are more receptive than others. So you could, you kind of have to tailor this information based on your audience because not every student is verbal. Not every student is, you know, in, is intellectually abled. When you think about all these other, there's so many disabilities to talk about and a lot of them are intellectual disabilities. You have to tailor your information based on where these students stand. You're not going to teach some a, a younger student about their gender identity or their sexual orientation. You might want to start off with body hygiene and how your body changes or consent. But by using, for example, picture exchange communication systems or videos, pictures, you are able to convey more information than having a whole talk. For example, chunking information to just the essentials. Yeah. It's teaching the essentials and these essentials include, going back to what we said earlier, consent. Having a student know what they like and what they don't like, what they're comfortable with is important like teaching students to say, no, thank you. Or I don't like that. Even if they're nonverbal through use of sign or other kind of communication board, 
teaching consent is absolutely mm-hmm. vital no matter what age uh, or what abilities or disabilities they might have. And chunking this down to something like this with consent is for me the first place where you should start. Yes, but I mean, it's going to be hard to teach these topics just because you do want to focus on their IEPs. But even if you just took a small moment out of the day, even with just five minutes to teach these essentials, this information, you're already doing more than what they already know. You're solely teaching them how to care for themselves. Yeah, because right now the sex ed in the United States for students with disabilities mostly focuses on hygiene and body changes. So. And that includes washing hands, uh, showering, um, also body changes as far as you're going to get taller, your voice is going to get deeper, you're going to notice certain parts of your body growing. That's what sex ed is focusing on right now in special education. But consent, I still think, is something that should be taught from an early age because it's already included with Gen ed, gen ed education, asking permission. And I feel like special ed should be able to adapt that content content, into, for their audience. Just like any other curriculum, you always want to adapt and modify your lessons. So you, as an educator, we should be able to do the same thing with sex education. Yes. The second topic that happened recently, the second thing that happened in the news is the Supreme Court ruling for workplace protections for members of the LGBTQ community. And this is a big, big win because believe it or not, this does affects those in the schools. It affects teachers, it affects all educators, it affects students even. So this ruling was a big win. I mean, I see it as a win because where I am very out and proud about my sexuality, I used to, I'm talking about my personal experience. I did work at a, um, a diocese based school and the amount of students that would see my pride bracelets, even if this, the facility, I mean, the um, principal didn't know what it meant. These students were able to identify what I was wearing. So they knew that I was safe space. And if I were to tell you how many students came out to me and came out to me in that school, it's a small school, but I was able to get two students to confide in me to come out. So by having this representation and by having this Supreme Court ruling, I am able to not only be myself, but I am able to show others that it's going to be okay. It's exactly that. It's okay that it's going to be okay. And that. Uh... And it's great that it's affecting public. Yes. Where it affects public schools, you already have such a major win on that end because it's government-based. Therefore, you are able to be out and proud, but whereas private schools, it seems more of a very, it's already 
at least um, Mark Diocese schools, it's already church ran. So even if you were out and about about your sexuality or your gender, it can still be a touchy subject just because they still have the power to outrule you. But as far as the public schools, it's definitely such a great win for the community. It does suck that we had to wait this long to get the government approval that it's okay to be who we are. But it's better late than never, honestly. The crazy part was that up until this ruling, there was 25 other states that offer no explicit protection against workplace discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. So that to me is crazy that we just had to wait until now for this Supreme Court ruling to have protection for everyone. I agree on that, but maybe because where we didn't have this Supreme Court ruling, many people around the community may have not been out to out would have not been yeah outed at this at their workplace just because they feared losing their job. But now where we finally have this support to the Supreme Court, we might actually be able to see more people who identify as LGBT because they don't have to fear losing their job because of what they identify as or what they're who they're attracted to. There are some exceptions to this. And one of the exceptions is religious schools are exempt for teachers who are ordained as minister. Um, again, just for based on the school's religious um, mm-hmm. mission statements. Right. They have that exception right there. Which is understandable because you don't want to discredit their religion. Okay. And Cindy, as we wrap this up, is there any advice that you would give for new teachers or those who are thinking about entering this field of education? Well, from my personal experience, for you to be an educator, you have to put your personal belief aside because you don't know who is going to walk into your classroom. Every year is going to be different from the year before. But by putting your personal beliefs aside, you're you're going to be accepting your students for who they are, whether they're a different culture, a different race, a different they identify as a different gender or they have different sexual preference. But as an educator, it's your job to take care of your students and watch out for their well-being. You can't be a teacher and not care about these students. So this is why I'm saying put your personal beliefs aside, even if you're like the most religious person and you're definitely against the community. Just put that aside for a moment and put yourself in your students' shoes on how they feel. How Some students may be scared. Some students don't know what they're going through. Just be a teacher, but also be a support beam for them. And if you don't know how to help them, ask them if it's okay to provide them resources. Or if you don't feel comfortable as a teacher talking about it because of your personal beliefs, redirect them to a teacher who may have better resources for them just don't be that teacher that students are scared to come to for anything yeah you bring a very good point about even if you might not agree with what is being taught in the school for sex ed you might not even agree with 
the students with what they identify with their orientation, you signed up to be a teacher to put your students before you. You're there to help the future leaders, the future future uh, generation and helping them grow. And so in order for you to do this, you have to put all your ideas, anything you might disagree with, leave it at home, leave it at the door. And you're going to school to deliver the best instruction that you can. And another good point that you said is, even if you don't have all the answers, which no teacher has the all answers to everything, right. you got to redirect them. It's okay to not know. It's okay. This is a teachable moment. This teaches the students like, hey, my teacher doesn't know. I see they're asking for help. That means me as a student, I can, it's okay for me to not know. And the teacher can direct the students with better resources or someone who's more knowledgeable. Not even that, you know, it'd be like, Hey, um, sorry, Jimmy, I don't know, but I will try to find the answers for you. Even if it's just you as a teacher going to go find those answers for your students. Cause these students would be like, Oh, actually, um, never mind. I, I I'm okay. They're not okay. They came to you because they trusted you. It just goes back to what you said. A for a student to come up and be able to tell you these things, that's a new level of trust. And you don't want that to go away. Because by them trusting you, it can make more than just an impact on them. It can also give them an impact on their view of education and the education system, their view on how they feel about themselves. Because not everyone has support at home or whatever they may come from. This has been another episode of Teachers Care Society. I want to say thank you to our guest today, Sydney Garcia. And most importantly, thank you to you, the listeners. See you next time.